What's up, cool cats and cuties? That's right. You are listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast, and I am your host, Heather Kirby. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're switching it up a little. You know, uh, David is showing his feminist ally side by letting me start the podcast today. So thank you so much to my co-host, David Majors. How's it going, David? Hello, Heather. Uh, thank you for using the A word. I appreciate that. Uh, and... Yeah, despite everything, we've still got a lot of Star Trek to talk about here on the Promenade Merchants podcast. Uh, and we welcome you all and we thank you for listening. Uh, Heather, as I like to do, uh, tell the fine folks at home about our three act format here on this lovely podcast that we do. Oh, yeah. So for those of you who are brand new to the podcast or just haven't listened in a while and forgot how we do things here, we separate our talks into three separate parts because that's what promenade merchants do out here on the promenade. Uh, So part number one is old business, where we talk about everything from the very beginning of TOS all the way up to the Kelvin timeline movies. Part number two is new business, which is what is on your TVs or computer screens right now. Uh, and that would be Strange New Worlds, episode seven and eight. And part number three is upcoming business, which no pun intended, is everything beyond that. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. So there has been a lot in and out of the world of Star Trek recently. And I felt like Heather put it best. There's really no need to ignore the elephant in the room. It's kind of a political time right now. There's a lot of things going on. And one thing Star Trek has always done and has always done a great job of doing is reflecting our current world through the lens of science fiction. And Heather, I absolutely loved this topic you had for old business. So please run it down. You know, there's so many people out there in the toxic corner of the fandom will say who will sit there and go well you know tv shows aren't political star trek isn't political guess what star trek has always been political since it very first showed up onto your tvs until now there is no difference people star trek is political and right now in old business we're going to talk about some of our favorite political moments in star trek and there's many different things that can be classified as political moments like you know history unfolding in the real life right in front of our eyes when the supreme court on friday reversed a law that has stood for the test of time 50 years Uh, allowing the constitutional protections for a woman's right to an abortion. That is a political moment. That's not necessarily something government-related, 
like between governing alien worlds, which is what most people think of when they think of, of politics in Star Trek. But there's moments that deal with social issues that are political as well. And that's what I really wanted to highlight when I sat down and really thought about the moments that I enjoyed. I have one that's very governmental, like politics, getting along with different races. And then one that's just very much a social issue, um, but it's also political and a huge deep cut. So uh, my less deep cut moment uh, when I think about political moments in Star Trek actually comes from Enterprise. And that would very obviously be season four of Enterprise, the awesome three-parter, uh, Babel One, United, and the ADR. Those three episodes, sorry, those three episodes basically set the tone for the development of the Federation. Um, it, it involves Vulcans, it involves Andorians, it involves humans, it involves Tellarites. And as well as Romulans, <laughs> trying to get them to all fight each other. Uh, but it basically sets the tone for how very different races of people from very different planets learn to come together in what we now know as the United Federation of Planets. And I think it's a hugely important political moment to recognize and remember when looking at all the multiple moments across Star Trek. What do you think, David? I think that is in many ways, the most important moment in the franchise where we saw the formation of the Federation, uh, despite how it actually went down in the enterprise TV series. Uh, it is as significant as it gets because of course the united federation of planets was founded around the idea of people of different walks of life from everywhere joining together for a common goal for our collective betterment across the board and that's kind of been the point of star trek from the beginning Hasn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it definitely has. It's a moment, especially Enterprise being a show that comes after TOS, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. It's a moment that you sat there and waited for throughout the entirety of Enterprise. And get, watching that unfold uh, it, it is really a highlight of the series and of Star Trek in general, in my opinion. Heather, I'm actually going to stick with Enterprise on the one that I decided to pick, because uh, in the case of political moments and political episodes in Star Trek, there are so many. Uh, of course, the running gag with your boy, David, is that I've talked about far beyond the stars more times than I care to count. So I'm going to try and go a little bit off the grid here. And I was thinking of Enterprise and I was thinking of an episode of Star Trek that really made me think about something that I hadn't thought of before. And that was from season two, episode 22, Cogenitor. 
And that was the episode where the crew of the NX-01 uh, went to a planet where they had a race called the Vissians. And this planet had a third gender of their species that were treated as second class citizens. They were, they were used mostly for like mating purposes and, and procreation, but they were still kind of treated as second class citizens overall. And the, the center of this episode was Trip Tucker seeing all of this and realizing the way that these people were treated was very, very wrong. And at the time, I had not completely understood or grasped the concept of gender identity, gender fluidity, and the gender spectrum. And kind of going through that through the eyes of Trip Tucker really opened my own eyes personally just to the idea, not necessarily of the gender binary, because I already understood that was not really a thing, but really just the idea of what people who do not consider themselves male or female within the, the gender binary that we know of, uh, how they can be looked upon and how looked down upon they can be. And Tucker saw that and he knew it was wrong. And when I saw that, it really, that was one of the first times that I really kind of paid attention to gender and, and what people go through when it comes to gender identity. I, I have trans friends. It's something I don't really like to wave the flag about. I don't like to show that off as being like an ally or anything, but it, it's, it's something that I've thought about a lot in the last couple of years. And that episode really stuck with me from Enterprise. I felt like that one was one that really opened my eyes, especially at the end of the episode where, where it, it seemed like it wasn't really resolved. And sometimes when in Star Trek, and we've seen that recently on Strange New Worlds, sometimes it doesn't get resolved. Sometimes the crew doesn't save the day and get all the answers. And I, I think that's important sometimes to where we're not quite where we need to be yet. And I think it's safe to say that when it comes to things like gender, we're definitely not there yet. I think you make a lot of good points and I, I I have to ask you because I know amongst the trans community and obviously I, I am I'm a member of the LGBTQ community, but I am not trans. I am not non-binary. So that's not something I personally can relate to. Uh, but I know amongst them, a lot of them really don't like this episode. And it is, I, th I want to say it is primarily because of that ending. What did you think of the way uh, Archer reacts to Trip in the end of that episode? Because he comes down really hard on him. And Trip is only trying to... Uh, he, he's trying to help. He's trying to learn. He, he learned about the cogenitor as they got to know each other and he wanted to help them. 
and obviously his his actions ended up in the cogenitor's death but archer really comes down hard on him because it 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 negatively impacted their relations with that race not necessarily because of that his actions were bad but that's the way it's viewed in that back and forth between archer and trip at the end what what did you think about their entire conversation uh, it kind of broke my heart a little bit um, to see Archer really kind of dress Trip Tucker down for what was going on. On one hand, I understood where Archer was coming from, from the idea of we can't interfere with their way of life. But also, Star Trek has always put civil rights and the rights of the marginalized at the forefront. And I can absolutely understand why anyone that is trans or non-binary would not like this episode. I absolutely understand that 100%. Um, And the way that ended was a difficult watch because it reminded me in a lot of ways of the way a lot of media portrays black people in in our country in that there's always struggle there's always trauma uh there's a couple of things that we call black girl magic and black boy joy and i'm sure that trans and non-binary folks have that for themselves but too often in the media you see struggle and suffering and and bad endings essentially and for that to have went the way it did it it kind of broke my heart a little bit and it it was i was kind of down on archer for a while after that episode yeah. uh, but I kind of felt like in the case of the NX-01 and Jonathan Archer, everything that they were still going through in the grand scheme of things was still so new and so unknown. And I think for a lot of us, me being the cisgendered heterosexual guy, a lot of this is still very unknown, but... I would like to think that more of us would be more like Trip Tucker than Captain Archer was at the end of the episode. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, so before we move on to new business, I want to bring up my deep cut, deep cut episode that I wanted to mention. Because this is one that has like always kind of stuck in my head even though it's an episode no one ever talks about not really that good of an episode and like i mentioned before it's one of those where it's more of a social issue that they deal with instead of a a, a politics alien races uh learning to get along together issue uh so it comes from season one of tng (laughs) I know. Oh, no. (laughs) Heather, no. No, Heather. No. (laughs) I I, I don't think you're going to do I don't think you're thinking what I'm thinking here. Okay. Okay. Um, It is episode 22. Symbiosis. 
Okay, okay. God, I thought you were going to say code of honor. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Everybody talks about code of honor because they talk about how freaking horrible it is. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Okay, so symbiosis, to refresh anyone's memory who has no idea what episode I'm talking about, is um, we'll just say it's the TNG episode where they address the drug crisis in America. Because it's the, or I'll read the synopsis here. The Enterprise gets caught in a feud between two planets over cargo uh, that the one planet claims they need to survive a plague. And the medicine that they need to survive is actually a powerfully addictive narcotic that the other planet has kept uh, these people addicted on for decades even though they don't actually need it. Mm. Now, the one thing that always stuck in my head about this episode was how fierce, and this is one of the reasons why I'm a huge Dr. Crusher fan, was how fiercely Dr. Crusher stood up to Picard and basically told him no can't do this you can't leave these people addicted to a drug it's not right we can help them we can save them from this and Picard for once (laughs) in his entire career I mean this is season one but Picard actually decides to follow the prime directive (laughs) and leaves them addicted to it like I said, it's very much a typical TNG episode that isn't all Particularly that... Particularly season one. Yeah. It isn't all that great. But it, it, it does address something that, like, there is something that can be done to help uh, those addicted to different things and and to help with addiction and that addiction is a disease in itself and I appreciate all those and like like I said the one thing that always stuck in my head most about it and why I I thought of it when it came to something like this is because it was the first moment in TNG (laughs) and we're talking this is 1987 after TOS where we see a woman officer fiercely stand her ground and state her convictions in a way that you want to side with her. And then that's, and that's great. Yeah. That, that's one of the things that I, I really love about the episode. And it's something that Star Trek does very well in which like it, it, it does not be minorities how to those in power it really sees people, no matter what position they're in, even if they ultimately don't get the decision that they want, but they still stand up for their convictions. Amen. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, Heather, before we move on to new business, I feel like <laughs> since this is a essentially kind of a Deep Space Nine themed Star Trek podcast that we do. Mm-hmm. What could we even say about Deep Space Nine when it comes to political issues? Like, the, Deep Space Nine covered it all. 
Um, but I do want to mention one in particular. I think this is sort of a fan favorite, especially in the last couple of years. Bar Association, where the workers of Cork's Bar went on strike and formed a, a union. And we saw Rom and Lita become union leaders and labor rights organizers. And it was kind of great. And it was inspired by Chief O'Brien, whose ancestor was a union man. And we see an episode of Star Trek literally quoting Karl Marx. Uh, in case anyone wasn't picking up on on uh, where the Star Trek franchise might have leaned, uh, mm. there is an actual line from Karl Marx in this. And I, I just felt like of all of the episodes of Deep Space Nine you could talk about, Bar Association is the one that I wanted to give a nod here. I, I think if I was going to give a nod to a political episode of Deep Space Nine, um, it would have to be past tense. Right now. Yep. Yep. Especially right now. Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it really would. We are sitting here right now in 2022 and past tense occurs in 2024. So it's only two years away. And you have to sit there and think about what's going on in the world right now and how, honestly, like when we look at Star Trek, it might get worse before it gets better. And that fucking sucks. Okay. But we got to live through it right now. Did you see that tweet from Tawny Newsom? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. She, she was right there uh, because when the January 6th commission hearings were going on, there was a gentleman in the crowd with a excuse me, a Starfleet Delta pin. And Tawny Newsom called it out right away and said, oh boy, that looks like it might be Gabriel Bell. <laughs> the rights might be starting two years early. Yeah. Oh man. And I don't know. It, it's, it feels a little bit, it, as I said, Star Trek has always reflected today's world through a sci-fi lens and uh, i just think about uh captain pike uh in strange new worlds in the the premiere episode where that planet they went to and pike showed them what happened to earth and that's been in my head a lot lately that has really been in my head a lot lately i haven't been able to get that moment out of my head and I'm hoping it doesn't reach that point, honestly. I'm really hoping it doesn't. Well, you know, that's all we can do is, is hope and fighting. Amen. All right. So let's move to something a little bit lighter with new business. Let's talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, okay? All righty. Okay, so let me pull this up here, and it is episode seven, The Serene Squall, where the the crew of the Enterprise uh, meet uh, a they, – they have a run-in with some pirates led by 
Captain Angel with all of their deceivery and deception and shenanigans. And we also see a little bit more of the relationship between Spock and T'Pring. Heather, I will let you go first on this episode because it might be another time for David to say something controversial. So I'll let you go first. Well, okay. So my favorite part of this episode is Jesse James Kettle's performance as uh, Captain Angel. Uh, They are fantastic. Okay. I absolutely love them. I love the connection that they make with Spock. And basically, this is the episode where Star Trek comes right out and says, screw the binary, trans rights are a thing, and be whatever you need to be. And I love that. Um, the the sp- the scene between Angel and Spock, where Angel talked about Spock's identity not being human or Vulcan, but yeah. something for him to decide for himself was just that was phenomenal. That was absolutely phenomenal. It 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 was fantastic. Um, yeah, I I just I I hope we get to see them again. And, you know, we, we very well might be with the way that ended. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> Captain Angel's partner is Cybok. Yeah, oh. buddy. That's big news. Spock's mysterious long-lost half-brother who abandoned logic, Cybok. I've said on this podcast several times, I'm a big Cybok guy. I probably would have followed Cybok. But here's the thing, Heather. I have sung the praises of Ethan Peck's performance as Spock in this series. So when I saw Angel kind of reveal that they were manipulating Spock the whole time, I was so angry. Like, but like I was booing, like, boo, how dare you do that to Spock? Boo. That that, that made me mad. Jesse James Cattell, fantastic performance. They did exactly the job they were supposed to do and make me not like Captain Angel uh, because because they manipulated Spock and played with his emotions. And I didn't like that. And that was fantastic. And throwing Cybok in at the very end of the episode was just a stroke of brilliance. I love that Strange New Worlds is not afraid to do these things. Everyone was expecting Strange New Worlds to be just kind of a very one-dimensional Star Trek show, and it really hasn't been. And I've had fun with it, and I had fun with this episode. Yar! I had fun with these space pirates. Yar! No. No pirate voice. Uh, No pirate. Okay. All right. That 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 scene at the very end was was wonderful too with Captain Pike 
doing this pirate voice and Una just not having it at all. That was that was perfect. <laughs> I feel like that's this podcast in a nutshell, everybody. That's this podcast. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying I, I'm enjoying this and, and I enjoyed everything about this episode. Next episode was the Elysian Kingdom, where Dr. Mbenga uh, has one of those Star Trek episodes where we're trapped in a fairy tale in a fantasy novel. And I kind of accidentally guessed the beginning of this episode uh, right as the first preview came out. I just said on Twitter... Hey, is this going to have to do with the book that Dr. Mbenga's been reading his daughter? And lo and behold, that's exactly what it was. And the crew of the Enterprise was in the proximity of a strange nebula that took hold of the ship. And next thing you know, Dr. Mbenga has to make his way out of this strange, fantastical adventure. With the help of Hammer! With the help of Hammer, yes. <laughs> so, yes, I loved this episode. Um, it was just so much fun, and you could tell they had a ridiculous amount of fun filming it. <laughs> Okay. Everyone was absolutely over the top and completely campy as their alternate selves. And it, it, yeah, yeah, it, it warmed my little crazy Ren Fair loving heart. It, 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 it was just fantastic. Um, let's see. Uh, can, can, can I say, Heather, Christina Chong? Just every episode for, for me, she she just does something. And her role as the princess doing the operatic singing, where she was just totally leaning into it with her dog, Ruma, just fantastic. Like, I, you, I'm fantastic. And you know that's her actual dog, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that, there there was just so many little bits and pieces of this episode that I loved. Um, I, I I love that Hemmer was the one who uh, got to play a huge role in helping him, uh, helping Mbenga figure out what was going on, communicate with the entity, things like that. And <laughs> I mean, there were. The discussion online afterwards was like, well, Spock's a telepath also. Why didn't Spock block it? And I love the one person's response uh, who was basically like, oh, well, yeah, you know, Spock probably sensed him, but he just decided he would fuck around and find out <laughs> and see what happens. He wanted to play wizard shit. Fuck it. We ball wizard time. Uh, the, so I love the idea that that was Spock's probably human Spock, side. Spock's, Spock's human side is a LARPer, everybody. We learned yes. that. Spock's response to that. Um, I think my favorite of all the characters was Una's Huntress. I just, I love that outfit. I want to cosplay it. She looks so damn fierce as the Huntress. Um, yeah. And 
I, I, I mean, it ultimately, the ending was kind of heartbreaking in a way, but also a very feel good because it gave uh, Rukia, Dr. Mbenga's daughter, uh, the opportunity to live an exciting and full life. And, and that's really what he wanted for her all along. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this episode. Um, I I know, like, looking at the Strange New World season so far in general, like, I've seen a lot of comments from people online who are upset about the fact there's been a, a, a large focus on Spock because he's someone who we know a lot of. But I wanted to break it down on the podcast here because I broke it down in a post online and sometimes I post shit and no one sees it. So hopefully someone will listen to this will see it. Before you break it down, I would like to say my favorite performance in this episode was Anson Mount as Sir Ralph because clearly what we've seen from this series is that Anson Mount loves to have a chance to act like a complete goof and I respect the hell out of that. Any chance to be just completely goofy, he leans into it and I love that. Uh, Absolutely. He was completely goofy. But yeah, so I'm going to sit here and actually defend Strange New Worlds for a second, David. I know this is rare. Okay. But I think in its first season, Strange New Worlds has done a better job than any current live action Star Trek when it comes to sharing the character focus amongst their episodes. Because when you look at the first eight episodes, we had... Two episodes that were primarily Pike-focused. We had two episodes that were primarily Spock-focused. We had an episode that featured La'an. An episode that featured uh, Una, number one. An episode that featured Uhura. And an episode that featured Dr. Mbenga. So, things are fairly spread out. And we're getting to know even the characters that haven't been featured yet, like Ortegas, Chapel, Hammer. We're still getting to know them in side plots in these episodes. And I think Strange New Worlds is actually doing a really good job when it comes to spreading the character focus amongst the season. I love that you pointed this out because so much of the hype and excitement about Strange New Worlds revolved around Pike, Spock, and number one. And when we got introduced to the rest of the cast, I think everyone was really excited to see what we would get from all of them. And by and large, the first season has delivered fairly well. Has it been perfect? No, but no first season of a Star Trek show ever is perfect. But this one has done pretty well, pretty well. I, I think that I would like to see a little bit more from number one. Uh, I completely agree with you about Hammer. I, I'm glad that he 
had moments in this episode. Uh, I thought Bruce Horak did a fantastic job in this episode, being Hammer as well as being the wizard when he had to be. I thought he was he was really science! great. The magic of science. <laughs> I will send you to the event horizon. <laughs> <sighs> that was it was wonderful it was wonderful and th- it reminded me I, I, did i say this on another episode uh, of another show like i guessed it on or something it reminded me of the robin hood episode of tng where it was a complete departure but you could tell everyone was having a good time and that is infectious that has real infectious energy to it and I, it was great. It really was great. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, Star Trek Strange New World Season 1, for me, is 8 for 8. I think it's 8 for 8 for me. Uh, I don't like equating numbers to things, but yes, I'm enjoying it. Now, one other thing about that episode. Did you catch... I saw this online. I didn't catch it while I was watching. Did you catch who actually authored the storybook? Oh my goodness, Heather. <laughs> when, when I saw this online, I literally fell out of my chair. <laughs> so everyone that didn't catch this, the Elysian Kingdom was a fantasy novel written by none other than Benny Russell. Benny Russell. Yes. I love that reference. The prophets work in mysterious ways. That they do. Oh, man. Now, let's move on to upcoming business. And Heather, we, we might have a problem with upcoming business because I we was don't looking... don't have any upcoming business. <laughs> I was looking through the schedule... And after Strange New Worlds is done this season, um, I, I know that the next upcoming season of Star Trek on Paramount Plus, uh, I believe it is supposed to be season three of Lower Decks, but the premiere date has not been announced. So it's looking like for the first time in... A long, 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 long while. We're going to be on a break for some Star Trek, everybody. We're going to be on a break. Okay, so first off, I don't think we're going to be on that long of a break. Um, Lower Decks has consistently premiered in the beginning of August for its past two seasons. Uh, so the season finale of Strange New Worlds... Uh, will come on the first Thursday, July the 6th. Um, and I honestly believe on that date, on the season finale of Strange New Worlds, is when we're going to get the premiere date for Lower Deck Season 3, and it's going to be the beginning of August. So it's only going to be like a month off. Which, you know, will give us all time to breathe and relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Chill out, put our feet up, whatever. Enjoy you know, the summer. Spend, spend some time on the hollow suite. Yeah. Maybe take a weekend in Risa. Exactly. 
So right. it, it, well, it's just a nice little vacation. It's not a ridiculously long break. Um, but yeah, that, that that's my prediction for that. Because like I said, it, it's been pretty consistent. I like the Discovery ones have kind of floated around all over the place. The the Picard has floated around all over the place when it comes to their their air dates. Um, Lower Decks is the one that has been consistent and has always premiered at the beginning of August for each of their seasons. So I think we're going to get the same thing here. I I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Not just for the sake of this podcast, but also for the fact that I am loving this age that we're living in with Star Trek. And I don't want it to stop for an extended amount of time again. Uh, there was that one break that we had early on when we were doing the podcast where it felt like it was months and months we didn't have any Star Trek and it was it was rough that was COVID's fault (laughs) yeah (laughs) it wasn't really our fault that wasn't really their fault that was COVID's fault (laughs) (sighs) fucking COVID (laughs) Uh, but they're they're in production at least we can at least say they are in production Discovery season 5 has started production Picard season 3 is in production we know Prodigy honestly Picard season 3 is in post-production oh post-production okay yeah because they're Uh, done filming season 3 they filmed that back to back so and we also know that Prodigy and Lower Decks are coming soon and it's sooner rather than later I hope you're right I hope it's only a month I hope. And and at least in between that time, we we might have a guest on the show. I think we'll, we'll have that'll be episode 55. So we'll be able to uh, cover some conversation, won't we? Oh, yes, definitely. All right. OK, I, I think we covered it all. I think we did. I think we covered it all. Rants and all. all right. You know what? Sometimes you got to rant because. Star Trek allows us to talk about things. It's it, I've always said it's not just about the green aliens and the spaceships, everybody. Star Trek has always been about more than that. And sometimes you got to talk about it. And Heather and I will always take time to talk about those things here on the Promenade Merchants podcast. If you enjoy it, Check it out in your podcatcher of choice. Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, all the rest. You know the deal. Everyone, follow Heather on Twitter at NerdyGal33. Heather, thank you for doing this podcast with me. Feel free to take it home. I haven't figured out an outro yet, so <laughs> I will let you. Well, you know, like I, I sent this to you <laughs> because I think it's just fitting for at least this episode. So, yeah, everyone have a good night and fuck it. We ball wizard time. Science. Science. <laughs>